Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Um, we are going to finish chapter two. This is taking a while, right? It seems like we've been in <laughs> of Acts, and then we'll be on to chapter three and so forth. Uh, but uh, yeah, there is an outline. I don't know if there's still some out on the table when you came in. Um, there is an outline that you can use, but we're going to be going through uh, Acts chapter 2. And we started out with um, the Holy Spirit coming on the scene. And this is where uh, things get interesting in Acts because it really is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. He's going to be doing many great and mighty works throughout the book of Acts. And so we're going to acknowledge that. And his first work was to come down and have them speak on uh, uh, many tongues, a fire that came on the 120. Um, and you'll see that small church swell to a big church soon <laughs> with the preaching of Peter's sermon. And then we even see the act of the Holy Spirit even changing or transforming Peter at this time because Peter was, uh, you know, he denied Christ three times um, just not too long ago. And now he is preaching the initial sermon at the first church service of the 120 members. Uh, or actually more than that, because they brought in more people so uh, that are around listening to the first sermon of the first church. And he is speaking with power and conviction. Uh, and he is remembering the Old Testament scriptures, and he is reciting them. And we have to remember that Peter was not a theologian, but a fisherman by trade. And here he is, this fisherman, a young fisherman at that. Uh, so this early church was a very young church. Peter was probably in his 20s, and most of, as is most of the disciples that were with Jesus were in their early 20s, late teens. And so I say that on purpose to say, young people, uh, Christianity was a youth movement, <laughs> and, and still is, <laughs> uh, that he wants to move through you. And so Peter is standing up among the young people with empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he is preaching a word, and a good word at that. And so we're halfway through his message uh, that is written, because even later on it says that he said more than what is actually written. But we're going to start, I think, in verse 22. I think we, we did go a little bit further than this, but we're just going to start there and just keep on going. Um, so he had just mentioned Joel from the Old Testament, and he talked about, um, your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And it talks about how the Joel prophesied that he, on the last days he will pour out his spirit. And so in the old days, or Old Testament, um, the, whole, the God would, it would be a sprinkling. It wasn't a pouring. It was no people here were, uh, were moved by the Holy Spirit and performed certain things. But now, this is like, oh, the floodgates are open. <laughs> the, the dam has been breached, and the Holy Spirit came flooding out, and he wants to fall on us just like this. And so Peter said, this is what Joel prophesied about. This is what is happening now that you just witnessed is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And so now he's going on, and he's going to um, recite some more scripture. So in verse 22, it says, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles. So he said, this is important because, one, you saw the Holy Spirit come out, and now he's saying, uh, Jesus of Nazareth is a man, 
and you knew he was a man of God or the son of God because of the miracles that he performed. Uh, the signs which God did through him in the midst, as yourselves also know. So you know this. No one else could have done all that Jesus did if it was not for God himself working through him. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. So we talked about how uh, the purpose of God, the foreknowledge of God and the will of man can coincide and coexist with one another. God raised up having loosed the pains of death. Death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? Because God has loosed the pains of death because it was not possible for him to hold Jesus Christ. And so now we have a risen Savior. And so then it talks about David. So it goes into, I think it's Psalm 16, talks about David. And um, this is a prophetic song. Uh, we know David as a psalmist, but this is also prophetic in that he says, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced. My tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades. So you will not leave me in hell, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life, and you will make full joy in your presence. So this is foretelling uh, Jesus' resurrection, coming out, saying, hey, David was foretelling, Hades cannot contain the incorruptible seed of Jesus Christ. So then it goes on. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you, the patriarch David, that he both dead and buried in his tomb to this day, therefore been a prophet and knowing that God has sown an oath to him, of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. So it talks about this. So some people would say, well, they, this, they're talking about David in this passage. But uh, Peter is saying, no, David is dead. We, we can go to his tomb right now. He is dead. He's buried. But this is talking about Christ, the risen Savior. Hell could not hold him. Verse 33 says, he foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ and his soul was not left because his soul has not le- was not left in Hades nor did his flesh see corruption this Jesus God has raised up which you all were witnesses of so he's talking about that 120 and that 120 is telling now this multitude that has gathered and says hey this Jesus has resurrected his tomb is empty Therefore, being exalted on the right hand of God and having received the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out which you now see here. This is what you see here. The Holy Spirit being poured out. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says to himself, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I take till I make or make your enemies your footstool. The Lord said to my Lord. So talking about God. My God is saying to Jesus, till I uh, sit at my right hand. Some people would say, well, he's talking about David. No, he's talking about the Lord. My Lord said to my Lord, Jesus, sit at my right hand. This is a prophetic song by David. So here, David is again, he's preaching the word. He's preaching, and then he's going into uh, a repentance. So now, and this is what you'll see similar in many of the sermons in Acts is that there's a proclamation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then there's always uh, asking of repentance from those who are listening. Will you repent? Repent and be saved. 
And you saw that with John the Baptist, and you saw that with Jesus coming on the scene, and now you see it with the new church saying the same thing. Uh, Repent and turn from your wicked ways and come to Christ and be saved. So let's jump down to 34, verse 34. Well, no, let's go down. Let's see. 36. It says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart. Now I think the writer did that on purpose because, you know, Peter is known for cutting. Um, <laughs> so he used those words on purpose. They say, now Peter used a sword before to cut, but now he's using the word to cut to your heart. They were pierced. And it is so powerful. The word was preached so powerful. The Holy Spirit was on Peter so greatly that the word pierced their hearts, cut through their hearts. And even and I thought about this because even sometimes when Jesus spoke, um, you know, many people murmured or they or they spoke just to listen and get knowledge. And they walked away wondering. And you know, you had the Sadducees and the Pharisees just peppering him with questions, but their hearts weren't always pierced. But now the Holy Spirit is on that scene. And so the Holy Spirit is using Peter and the Holy Spirit is now working on the hearts of men around Peter, piercing their hearts, cutting deep within, knowing that they're hearing the truth for the first time. And that's so powerful to witness that and see that in the early church. And now they're changed. Now it's not about being a spectator, but now it's like, hey, it's transformation time. It's not me just coming to hear a word, but I'm here to be transformed by the word of God. So you can hear it. You can go. And this is so important later on when I get to it. But it's so important that so many times we come and want to be spectators. We just want to sit back and and hear. And we don't really want our hearts to be changed. And we don't even think about our hearts being open and changed. We don't even come to church thinking, Lord, change my heart, change my mind. Change my perspective. Change me, Lord God. But what we come in is to see what people are doing. I just want to hear the word for knowledge. But get that knowledge and let it change you. Let it change your heart. Let your mind be changed. Let it let's not be a spectator sport. It's one thing, you know, to be a spectator um, when it comes to a sport. But it's even another level to actually play the sport, right? He wants you to get in the game. He don't want you to sit on the sideline. Uh, he wants you to be in the game. No sideline players here. <laughs> Everyone is participating. And so he has the Holy Spirit working and piercing the hearts of men that are hearing this word. And they ask, let's go down to, let's see. Yeah, so 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cutting their hearts and said to Peter, and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? How many times have we asked ourselves or asked the Lord after coming to a service, what shall we do? We don't. That's why we don't ask ourselves that. <laughs> but when you hear this word, when they heard this word, they just weren't good. And it just wasn't good enough to just hear it. But now they had to act. They had to say, what shall I do? What shall we do to get this Holy Spirit to get this Jesus to accept him, as you said, Peter. And then Peter says to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. 
and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to your children and to all of you who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. This is good word. This promise wasn't just for them in that moment. And you can imagine we had a multitude of people from different countries and different languages coming together, hearing this word being preached by Peter. And when they asked, what must I do to be saved? And then they get saved and baptized. And then they go back to their prospective countries and share the good news of the gospel. Man, talk about an easy mission trip. Everyone was there. (laughs) You preach the word and then they go out. And this is true because even when Paul, and we'll get on to this, when Paul went on his journeys, sometimes at certain places he was talking about there was a contingent of small church at some of these places that he went to. And I could imagine that these people who were there started these small churches that Paul would eventually go to to spread the gospel. Because he would go and say, oh, there's a small contingent of believers here. And, um, and maybe they were believers because of this crowd of people that received from Peter. Upon this rock, Peter, is the church being built. We are seeing it, and we see the fruits of that even today. And sometimes we forget how this word is just not a word for history, but is a living word. We are in Acts right now. We see the Acts of the Holy Spirit now in our lives. So if we wanted to be a continuation, and I'm not an apostle, so I'm not going to add to the word of God, but we are living Acts now. The acts of the Holy Spirit. And so if you wanted to write your own book for your kids and say, hey, look, this is what the Holy Spirit did in our lives. So you can take that on to your children and grandchildren. And here is the same spirit that we witness. You may not partake of as well. So 41, then then those who gladly received this word were baptized. And that day, 3000 souls were added to them. So they started out as 120. And in one day, they added 3,000. I can imagine that was a long baptism service to y'all. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it in this baptismal pool here. We'll be here all day. But maybe they were. They were so excited on fire for the Lord that they were willing to sit through 3,000 people being baptized. And it was no big deal, right? Hey, we are here. We want to see the movement of God. And so we're willing to see these 3,000 baptized. And Peter was willing to baptize them. Peter and the other apostles were willing to baptize those people that were there. And so in verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So this is important. This is good. So I just want to focus on just a little bit before uh, our brother Steve comes and does communion with us. Uh, but really talk about fellowship. So in verse 42, uh, let me get here in my notes. Um, the foundation of the Christian life is fellowship. Um, as a believer, it is easy. Sometimes we are tempted post-COVID to just be okay with doing online, uh, to being on social media, and that is our life, and we can look at a message from anyone in the world and feel like we have been fed. And that may be okay. Um, snacks are good sometimes, right? <laughs> They have a little snack. Uh, But the believer is about fellowship. The early church is about fellowship. It's about coming together. It is about being and doing life with one another. 
And so many times we are tempted to even when we're in groups to even not fellowship. Uh, we want to sit in the back and we want to come in and we want to get on out of here as fast as possible before anyone talks to me because um, we don't want to engage anyone because we're so antisocial. And I think our phones have even made us this way. So at work, and this is funny because at work we're not even supposed to have phones and everyone has them. Uh, but you could be in a group and you, we've all witnessed this. You're in a group of people and everyone is doing this on their phones like this. And so, so goes social. You're around, <laughs> you're around people, but we're choosing social media, supposedly social. It's not really social, it's just media. Um, and we're forsaking the fellowship of the saints, the talking to doing life with one another, sharing with one another, sharing Jesus with one another, sharing the testimony, sharing how great he is, sharing how what the valley I'm in, but what joy I have even in the midst of the valley. Elders need to hear that. But we're so focused on this right here. And we'll look at an Instagram word before we speak a word to someone else. <laughs> so, so, so has gone the fellowship. And this fellowship here is called Cornonia. And Cornonia in the Greek is translated as fellowship. And the idea is association, communion, participation. It means to share in something. And these, these 3,000 or so, 3,000. 3,120 were sharing Jesus with one another. Now they, were, now they were believers, and now they're sharing life with one another. And they studied the apostles' doctrine. And this fellowship, and so this is important because fellowship, you can be a part of, you can say you're a football player. Um, you can put on a uniform, but you're not part of a team, so are you really a football player? <laughs> Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> you can say <laughs> you can say that, or you're a basketball player, but you're not on the team. So then, are you really a basketball player? Are you not just practicing to get on the team? Uh, but you know how we are, and so we are believers. We are disciples, and so much we want to be antisocial and not really be a part of the team. And the early church is a blueprint for fellowshipping with one another. Really less. Um, this is just a different model of church. And this is, this is from the beginning. And churches are still continuing to do this now. Um, but really, fellowshipping with one another is participating, communing, being in association with. Not, let me quickly get in here, hear this word, and let me get out of here. Um, really doing life with one another. Being accountable for each other. Some of us are afraid that someone's going to ask, What's your, how's your prayer life? If you don't have one, say, I don't have one. Pray for me. <laughs> Pray for me that I get one. Uh, and so if you fellowship long enough, then you will get one. Um, but it's important that we fellowship with one another. Not one fellow in the ship, but all of us <laughs> are in fellowship with one another. They continue steadfastly in the breaking of bread. So when they fellowship one another, they broke bread and they prayed. Now, it's always something. There's something about getting together and eating. There's something spiritual happens um, besides you getting full. <laughs> I think there's something when we get together and break bread with one another, we get to sit down and things kind of move a little bit slower. And you sit in front of one another and you have a conversation and you really get to engage and talk. And really get to know one another. Know your brothers and sisters in Christ. It would be strange of me to have brothers and sisters 
that go live in my house that I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't, my brothers and sisters that know me very well and I know them very well. Um, but it, it would be strange to call these members my brothers and sisters in Christ and I don't know them. And so the onus is on uh, two, two parts, it's twofold I think. It's important for us to be open to fellowship and then it's important for others to be open to fellowshipping. I don't want to be open to fellowship and then there's no one willing to fellowship with me. And then I don't want to be willing and open to fellowshipping with people and then no one is wanting to fellowship as well. So it's twofold. We're we, we all in this game together. We're participating in this together. And then in verse 43, and I'm almost done. We can have uh, Steve come up. It says, in the fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. This is good. They feared, uh, beginning of knowledge is fear of the Lord, and they began to get knowledge because they feared the Lord. And they saw the signs and wonders that Jesus had started in his ministry. Now these young 23, 19, 18, can you believe it? Can you, some of you are like, oh, there's no way. 25-year-olds were performing miracles preaching the word of God, saving souls, multiplying. And they, I can't even do the, the math from 120 to 3,120 in one day from one message. From verse 44, they says, Now all who believed were together, they were togetherness, that with one another and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, anyone had, all as anyone had need. So continually with one another, on, on, with one accord, again, it's not a Honda Accord, but on one accord, <laughs> in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. So they said in the temple, they were breaking bread and they, for in the temple. So they went, they did not forsake the gathering, the big gathering, the church gathering. And even the early church was still going to the synagogue because the Jews hadn't kicked them out yet. That comes later. But they were still <laughs> going to the synagogue and they were meeting and having church uh, there. And then, but they also went from house to house. They opened up their lives. They opened up their house. Who cares if my kitchen is messy? Come on in here and see it. Your kitchen gets messy sometimes as well. Uh, but come in here. Open up my home. They went from house to house. And they divided each other. They wanted to share in each other's life and witness to one another. So they shared each other. And they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and have a favor with all the people. And before I say that last verse, but I want to just make sure we uh, uh, reiterate the fellowship with one another. Even in, um, there's, uh, I can't remember the number of times it says in the New Testament, with one another, or love one another, have paid, bear one another's burdens. Uh, we are to encourage one another. There's so many one another's that we are to do. Uh, and so this is, again, love one another. They will know you are my disciples, John 13, I think 35, because of the love you have for one another. And you can't love no, nothing against um, YouTube and watching the podcast. And I pray that people will continue to do that. That is a way, a snack, a way to just kind of get in. But that's not the full course. That's not membership. That's not fellowship. It's easy to love from um, the computer screen. <laughs> 
it never talks back and it give you no issues. <laughs> but I need to love one another, being in fellowship with one another. And that love, when others see that and say, hey, there's something special about these children of God. Because they love one another, man. All these other people are pretentious and they're fake and they're backstab, stab each other and they're fussing at each other and they're nice for a week and then they don't like the person the next week. But these disciples, they love one another. They really want to do life. They're concerned about me. They're willing to help me provide for the substance that I need. And I am now willing to do that for them because of the love they've shown me. That is how I know that that's God. Those are real disciples. That is going to make a profound statement to the world when we love one another. And then it says, And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This is your growth plan. (laughs) You want to grow your church? the Lord that's going to do the adding. No work, no amount of work, no amount of programs, no amount of whatever you do, funds or whatever you throw into it. It is the Lord that is going to grow and add to us. And the same in your personal life. If you want to be added to, you want to grow, you're going to have to be submitted to the Lord to allow him to grow you. Allow the Holy Spirit to be submitted to the Holy Spirit so you can grow in him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.